Welcome everyone to the 2023 Slam Ball season preview for the Rumble. Rumble, young man, Rumble. Very excited for the new season for one of the three um, legacy franchises, historic franchises that are being brought back to the Slam Ball League. More than anything, because they are bringing back their head coach, Coach Ken Carter, um, who is just seemingly a, a very nice man, has been involved in the sport in the 2000s era when it was in the US, and is obviously the subject of the 2005 film Coach Carter, which there is a TikTok about, uh, or a reel, or a YouTube short, whatever you want to call it, on all of the bounce-off socials, slash, sorry, all of my socials, that you should absolutely check out. But we're not entirely here to talk about Coach Carter, we're going to talk about all the draft picks that the Rumble made for the 2023 Slam Ball season, we're going to talk about the coaching after that, and we're going to talk about potential starting four, and then the weaknesses and strengths, because we always want to finish on a positive here at Bounce Off. For anyone watching who has no idea what Slam Ball is and you've just somehow happened upon this video, go back and check the first episode of this podcast, which is all about what Slam Ball is, or you can check out the Slam Ball YouTube channel or Slam Ball League on Twitter, and they'll have loads of information about what this amazing sport is, but in a in small, full contact basketball with trampolines underneath each basket, awesome sport that you should be checking out when it comes back to ESPN and ESPN Plus. July 21st, which is so close and exciting and ah, which means we have to get into our analysis of the Rumble. We start with their first round pick, third pick overall from the whole league. It is Bakari Glitch Copeland, 28 years old from Decatur, Georgia. He is six foot six, 225 pounds, and he is playing the gunner position. The reason I say Glitch, don't know if he goes by Glitch, but that was his nickname when he was playing for the Harlem Wizards, which is like, they start out as early competition for the Harlem Globetrotters in terms of an entertainment slash basketball property. So this guy is known for big dunks because he was on that team to do, you know, big dunks, including shattering a backboard with the amount of like, just ah ferocity that he brings to throwing one down. So excited to see just the anger and rage that Copeland can bring in terms of going at the basket. Copeland was listed as a power forward during his time in the world of pro basketball. Coming out of college, he played pro in Portugal in 2020 for CAB Madeira. For 23 games, he was averaging 10 points per game, shooting 45% from the field and 31% from three, getting an additional 3.6 rebounds. Those like field goal percentage shots, so for anyone who's not a basketball person, the shots that aren't three-point shots, any other kind of shot, are um, sort of like your total number of shots, right? So out of all the shots he's taking, he's making 45% of them. And that number stayed pretty consistent, okay, throughout his time in college and then going into the pro leagues. It's always been around mid-40s, which is a pretty good number. In basketball, the mythical number for being an excellent shooter is called the 50-40-90 club. That's where you're shooting 50% of all your shots, 40% from beyond three-point line, and 90% at what's called the free-throw line. The free-throw stuff doesn't matter so much in slam ball. Three-point shooting does, because you can get three points for a dunk, you can get three points for a shot outside the trampolines, and you can get four points if you shoot from behind the four-point line, okay? So there's a benefit to being able to shoot from distance, not just in increasing your score with those four-point shots, but also because it, it spreads the floor and allows your team opportunities to drive to the basket. And so that 31% is good, not as great as you want it to be, but it would improve as he went through his, uh, his 
career outside of college because after his year in CAB Madeira, he then ended up in uh, Olhanese in 2022. He only played in six games, but still in the Portuguese league, he was averaging 23.7 points per game, so a massive jump in points, seven rebounds per game, almost doubling his rebound numbers, and three assists per game. If I don't mention a player's assists per game, just kind of assume it's one or less. It's not incredibly high. That's usually just, I don't think they're going to be a great distributing force, and so I don't even want to address their assist numbers. Uh, in that in that season, he was shooting 64% from the field. So that's a massive jump. So when he's playing well, his shooting overall is good, which probably means he's getting to the rim a lot. And that three-point percentage jumped up to 38%, which is a really good sign. That three-point shot is improving as he goes through his career. Um, I don't know. You, you can't guarantee it's going to stay at that level. But it's, it's nice to see that in his two years that we've got details for from his pro career, um, he was he was doing pretty well from from distance and improving on that. Um, in terms of what you can see, looking at his highlights, looking at the game footage you can find online, Bakari Copeland has good finesse around the rim in terms of spin with his fingers. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean his ability to flick the ball from the right or from the left and and use the last bit of contact he makes with his fingertips to spin the ball off the backboard or just to spin it into the hoop make use of the angles, that's really good. In slam ball, that's not necessarily a skill that's going to be amazing um, because in order to get three points from a dunk, your fingers need to touch the rim. So if he's spinning the ball off the backboard and stuff like this, you're not getting those three points. What that is good for is if a defensive stopper, the main defensive force, comes at you physically and you're not able to make a dunk. Being able to spin the ball off the backboard instead and at least get two points from possession is, is a good quality that I like to see. He was able to do it really close to the basket, but also when he's like a little bit further away. So if he's being forced out by a defensive player, he's able to keep his arms wide, flick the ball off the top of the backboard with some spin and get it into the hoop. So that's that's a good quality to have. And it was a strength he'd had from high school, looking at high school footage, up until his pro time in Portugal. His shot doesn't look pretty, and I have to say at this point that neither does mine, so I should not be one to talk, but he does look comfortable when shooting threes, uh, specifically catch and shoot, just being past the ball, not doing it off the dribble. That might be a concern, but catch and shoot threes are also good at spraying the floor if you're known as a threat from that distance. So he's comfortable with it and he's trusted to take them by his teams. He is developing an off the dribble three over time. You see that as he goes to the Portuguese league and some of his time in the US. It allows him to create space, not just dribbling into the shot, but sort of dribbling and then jumping to the side. You get two steps in basketball to make a move, you get two steps in slam ball to get into the trampolines, but in this case, you could also use those two steps to just take a jump to the left, a jump to the right, create some separation from your defender, and hit a shot. And that's a good thing that he's developing over time. And the continued growth is something you like to see. In terms of rebounding, he follows his own shot, he goes after it. This is a good quality in terms of determination, tenacity. In slam ball, that can be really good because if you miss an initial shot attempt because of the stopper, not necessarily that they've blocked it, just they've made it difficult for you to, to hit. If you're able to bounce back up and, and reconnect with the ball and get it back into the hoop, those those points are invaluable in a slam ball game. And, and that being like a focus on the basketball court is a really good sign. He's comfortable carrying the ball in full court transition. So if he's coming up the floor, he's more than happy to be the person dribbling, even if that's not his standard role. He seems to be fine with it.
In terms of looking at his slam ball highlights through Instagram, through what other people are posting, through what he's posting, 100% following his own miss is a big thing. He's also somehow able to elevate over stoppers on the same jump. So if they're both going, him and the defensive player going from just underneath the basket in the same trampoline, he manages to get a lot more height and just sort of float above them. He is able to shoot the four comfortably off the dribble. Again, this is a really small sample size of one clip. That's that's taking specifically your highlights and posting it. Um, so that's that's all of this is miniature sample size. We'll have to wait till it gets on the floor. But the fact that he's at least practicing that is a good sign. It means that we can expect him to be to be taking those shots or at least attempting those shots throughout the game, which is really nice. Loves a little bit of flash with a behind-the-back pass. He does it throughout high school, college, and even here in slam ball. A little going right, bounces it behind his back to the left, a little drop-off. Um, he's gonna. I expect to see that from Bakari Copeland at some point. I like his personality. He's done a little bit of acting. He's in a Lucky Charms commercial that's the pinned post on his Instagram that I think is just really entertaining. And I'm excited to see Bakari Copeland on the floor. He was the third round. He was the third overall pick from the first round. Exciting to see what that means. Anyone that's taken that high, you kind of have to assume has an aptitude for slam ball. And Bakari Copeland is going to be someone that I think is going to attack the basket at the gunner position and do a lot of damage on the offensive end. Another guy who I think is going to do a lot of damage is one of his fellow gunners here on the Rumble, which is uh, Tamarik Fields. If I have mispronounced that, Tamarik, I'm so sorry. Uh, Scottish, learning things. But Tamarik Fields, 27 from Augusta, Georgia. He's six foot seven, 210 pounds, and he is also playing the gunner position. In his senior year at Augusta University, which was the 2017-18 season, he played in 28 games, received all-region and first-team Peach Bell All-Conference honours, and during his campaign at Augusta, he ranked second in the entire league with 18.5 points per game. These are really, really good statistics to go along with 5.2 rebounds and 1.2 assists. The concern you have with his stats from his times at Augusta is that over his career there, he shot 13% from three-point range. Remember we said 40% is really good. Anything sort of under 25% means you're unreliable and 13% is just too low. Admittedly, this is small sample size. He only took eight shots. He made one of them, but the fact that he wasn't taking them regularly in game situations makes me think that that is not going to be a strong suit of his as he goes throughout his slam ball career. That's fine. If someone else is spacing the floor, it gives people like Tamarik an opportunity to drive to the basket and make plays on the rim. But ideally, for the best spread of the floor, you want everyone to be able to shoot threes. And so this doesn't fill me with, with excitement. One thing that does is Interperformances, which is his management team. They have put on their website, he is quick enough to play the three and strong enough to play the four. Um, in basketball terms, that's the three is sort of a mid-sized player who's adept at scoring. Usually they're quite fast as well as being bigger than certain other players on the floor. Again, they're the mid-size. So he's quick enough to keep up with that. But he's also strong enough to play a slightly bigger position. People who would usually be closer to the basket, more confident in using their body. This is good from a defensive standpoint. Both the strength to be able to compete at the four spot, but also the speed in terms of transitional defense or just keeping up with a guy that you're marking. Both really good. According to his agents, and there is a highlight reel of this, he spent a year in Mexico, 2019-2020 season, but looking at the highlight film, I think it's reasonable to assume he played maybe four or five games. Still, apparently, the stats are he had... 40 points per game in those at least four, maybe five games, 
12 rebounds per game, 8 assists per game, 2.1 blocks, shooting 58% overall, 39% from 3, right? So the 3 points jumped up, but looking at the highlights, it's just a lot of... He's so much longer than everyone and so much bigger and he just gets at the rim and he, he gets put back uh, layups and dunks and if there's a miss, he's going straight back up with it and he's just being handed the ball and told, go for it. There's a lot of times he's just got the ball and everyone else on the team is just standing and it's sort of Tamrik's going to make a play and we're going to wait for it to happen. So he was trusted a lot with his time in Mexico, but I can't find like stats the mexican league is bad for finding stats online at least in my experience so i'm not able to like see if there's any other sites that's like confirming this but he's put it out there and there's a highlight reel that's made by a third party seemingly that also uses these statistics so uh, if this is the case that is the wildest stat line that we've seen thus far in terms of slam ball athletes and shows his aptitude for scoring he also spent three three years in Portugal in the Pro League with a number of different teams. Over those three seasons, he averaged 22.3 points per game, 1.5 assists, 9.4 rebounds and 1.8 assists, as well as 2.1 blocks per game in the 1920 season. So it wasn't something that he was keeping up consistently with those blocks, but the points are still really good. He's still scoring at a high volume. And, and doing a lot for his team. The rebounds are really encouraging in slam ball because it shows a, a timing, right? Your ability to catch a ball after a miss shows that you're good at positioning and you're good at timing your approach to try and get the ball. Timing is a big, big thing in slam ball, whether it be offensively, knowing when to go at the defensive player, or defensively, knowing when to get into the air or when to go for the passing lanes, right? We're trying to get into the way of the offensive movement. And again, rebounds are good for showing your ability to read uh, timings, but so are steals and so are blocks. And so these stats are all very encouraging. The three-point percentage does fluctuate. So we said that um, it went up hugely when he was in Mexico. If you're looking at his time in Portugal, right, he was shooting 25% in 21, 2020, 2021, in only six games. He was shooting even worse than that in the 2021-22 season at 17.4% over 12 games. But in the most recent season, which was this year, 22-23, he was shooting 39.6%. So we're very close to that mythical 40% number as he was when he was in Mexico. Now the difference between now and Mexico is, is sample size. He was shooting 39.6% um, in 23 games, right? The thing that I find interesting about this is, does that mean that he shoots... Three ball, he shoots from distance a little bit better if he's got more games under his belt in a season, right? So if the season goes longer, his percentage gets better because he's taking better shots, he's not just shooting them. Um, I, I can't confirm that, that's just a theory. The question then becomes, is the slam ball season long enough? It's between 10 to 12 games, usually, and 12 games was when he was shooting 17% from three. So that doesn't fill you with excitement. But it could be that this is something that he's just improved on. He also spent time in Venezuela. He spent 17 games in Venezuela in amongst this time in Portugal, where he was shooting 12.9 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 58% from the field, and 39% from three again. So 17 games, a larger sample size, a little bit bigger than that 12, a little bit less than that 23, but still shooting 39% from three. So this is why I'm not sure, because that was sort of in between some of those other seasons sort of the 2021, 2022 year. Um, so you don't know. 
You don't know. We'll find out when the league starts. Uh, hopefully he can shoot threes for this team's benefit. But if he also is just a guy that's going to run at the basket and do damage, that's certainly a possible. Certainly possible. He gets a lot of dunks. Looking at his highlight film, he gets a lot of dunks. No problem attacking the basket. Goes straight for it. That includes going full court if he's dribbling the whole way up or if he's just passed the ball and told to go at it. That includes in the half court. So if they're already up in their opposition's defensive end, he gets the ball. He's just going straight at the basket. That includes alley-oops, so just being thrown the ball in the air, catching it and putting it in. And then rebounding. Again, a missed shot, be it his or someone else's, going back up and just dunking it back in. Good for three points in slam ball. So if he's able to time his approach to teammates missing shots or missing dunks or missing whatever it might be in slam ball, there's the opportunity he can get points back on the board with this, this aggressive dunking style. He's got a good dribble, good handling ability for going to the basket, right? It's nothing fancy. He's not wasting his time with lefts to rights. It's sort of a 45 degree angle he approaches that. So if he's going from his right hand to his left, a lot of basketball players will sort of size up their opponent, go right, left, left, right, staying sort of 180 degrees, sort of staying horizontal until they make the guy make a mistake, make the guy move, and then go past him. What Tamriq's sort of doing is he'll do that maybe once, and then he's going 45 degrees, he's charging around the defender and going straight to the basket. He's good at focusing on the score. It's nothing fancy, but it doesn't need to be. And in slam ball, if he's able to make that move and get around the defending player, he's going to be directly into the trampolines and then a problem, right? Problem offensively. Problem defensively for the opposition. And that's like both side to side in terms of that that dribbling, but also attacking and also on spin moves. He's able to dribble the ball, spin around the defender, go at the basket. Again, not spinning just to spin in circles, spinning with a goal. Okay, He's comfortable with, with, with contact on the basketball court, whether that's people hitting him or him creating the contact and going at the defensive player. That includes the dunks that we talked about earlier. That includes the rebounding, whether it be being in the right position or just going over the top of guys. Again, contact's going to be a big thing because with slam ball, as soon as you dribble the ball, they have the opportunity to hit you. In the air, when you're attacking the basket, stoppers don't need necessarily to make a play on the ball. They're supposed to, but if they just go body to body with you, that's kind of fine so long as they're not jumping into you, so long as they're jumping straight up. So being able to take a little bit of contact is a really good sign. He understands how to distribute the ball, specifically when the defense is drawn to him. So when he becomes an offensive threat, as we think he might be here, he knows where to look for the other player. And something that you see as well is that he's able to do that in the air a little bit. So if he's passed the ball, maybe while jumping and he sees that the stoppers come to him, he might be able to make a little drop-off pass to another player and they'll get some points. So it's not just that he's going to be running and gunning to the basket every time. There might be a little bit more finesse to that in terms of passing it off to other players. Much like uh, Copeland, he's got a lot of length. This is a really tall team. We'll get into it, but we've had uh, uh, Tamariq, who's 6'7", Bakari Copeland, who's 6'6", and we're, we're going to get into another gunner. They took three gunners in the first three rounds, who is 6'7", right? Uh, we'll get into him in just a second, but it's a lot of length on this team. That's a big, big thing. Based on the slam ball clips that we see on Instagram, Tamreek is getting a lot of height in the trampolines, a lot of ferocity in his dunks, meaning that some of them are what are called thrunks. So he's not 
getting fingers on the rim. He's just throwing it from above straight into the hoop. That's not great, again, in terms of scoring because that's only worth two. But it is good in terms of making something out of a play that maybe wouldn't be anything otherwise. You know, if you can't get the dunk, you can't get the three points. At least if you're throwing it into the hoop, you're getting two, right? And you, it's better coming away with two than zero. You'd rather three, but two is not better than nothing. Then we go to their third round pick, Kalen Tippins Hill, 24 years old from Fort Worth, Texas. Again, another six foot seven guy, 190 pounds, and he's a gunner. He was a senior quarterback in high school where he was being able to he was able to complete 50% of the passes he was making as well as running to the to touchdown running into the zone uh, on his own without having to rely on wide receivers or catchers in his team. He is able to run, he's able to take contact, he's able to finish, but he's also able to make passes. Okay. Some distribution in the gunner position. This is nice to see. We haven't had many high school QBs. This is maybe only the second guy that I've seen that is a high school quarterback in the league, and the other guy is no longer in the league, uh, interestingly enough. But there's hope that this is a guy who's going to be able to make plays from the gunner position. Typically, you would have a handler who's your main ball carrier, a main distributor in slam ball. We will get into it later, but I do think with the way this team's constructed... The Rumble could probably get away with not doing that and just going for pure size and athleticism and playing all three gunners. But um, we'll have to wait and see with that. When he went to community college, he went to Tohono Udom. Oh, Tohono Udom. I need to research that better, but that's wonderful community college. Where he then went full-time with basketball. He was averaging 14 points per game and 8.3 rebounds at the uh, during his time at the community college. And he was shooting 33% from distance while also getting 27 steals. In terms of his highlights, this is a combination of stuff that you can see from his time in college, but also his time playing in Mexico for a couple of different developmental teams. Really good defensive, uh, re really good offensive rebounding awareness. So again, looking for tip-ins. If he misses, if another player on his team misses, he's going up. He's not grabbing the ball and slamming it in, but he knows when to just go up and use his length. Again, this is the third player I've said length about to tip it into the basket. Really good timing on blocks as well. That's in the half court in terms of players coming at him. He's able to get blocks from every position basically underneath the basket, which is good in terms of potential stopper. The fact that he's able to get a block, he's on the left-hand side of the basket. The offensive player is coming from the right and with his length, he can just reach over and tap it away. Really good sign if you throw him in as a replacement stopper at any point. But also transition. Um, running back on defense and making a play on the ball. We've talked in other previews that that might not be useful in slam ball because you need to go straight up and down, but it's better to have that as an option than to not, basically. He was involved in a dunk contest in Mexico, and the first thing that you see when you look at those clips is he takes really long, really long strides when running. So it sort of means that when he jumps, it looks like he's still running midair, and he's able to get the ball between his legs almost like he's skipping. It's really interesting to, to see. Good finishing around the rim when the dunk is taken away from him by defender. So if he's going up and there's someone in his way, he's able to move himself in the air, spin the ball off the backboard again. Better to get two than three. Uh, in slam ball, the advantage is with the 3D plane, the ability to go straight up rather than just going towards the basket and you can go above the defensive player. So the finishing might not be as important, but I still, as you've heard, think there's a value a value in it. 
Again, he's another guy that's unafraid of contact. That's whether offensively or defensively. He'll let guys hit him if he's on the defensive end. If he's on the offensive end, he's going to run at guys and make them have to make a decision. He's got good side-to-side quickness. That's when he's moving around the court, setting screens. Screens are, if you're on the offensive side, if you stand perfectly still, make your body a rock, it's perfectly legal for you to get in the way of a defensive player and sort of allow your teammate to create some space for himself. And when he's moving around the court to set those screens, he's really good at going side to side, but also with a thing called a Euro step. That's where you're jumping from one foot to the other around a defender and creating space for a finish. And he's really good at those side to side movements. He's regularly catching passes above the rim, primarily passes that are coming from out of the court and they're being thrown up to him to, to make a play at the hoop, either dunking it back or if he can't quite get that height, just doing a little layup. Again, two points is better than none. Um, but it's it's something that I don't know how that's going to work in slam ball other than just to say that he's comfortable catching in the air. Right. He's not totally confident with his dribble, or at least I'm not totally confident in his dribbling ability, but he does bring the ball up comfortably. So he's he's not someone that's going to put on a move to get past the defender, but he is someone that if he gets the ball on the defensive end, he's just going to bring it up and, and, make a, and be able to distribute. He spent some time on the Enid Outlaws of the Basketball League, where he was averaging 11.9 points per game, 59% from the field, 27% from three, and 6.8 rebounds. Again, the rebound numbers are really good. Points per game is, is decent in this league, sort of like a someone that's, that's at a high enough level that you expect them to be in a sport like slam ball and doing something good. Field goal percentage, nice. It shows a lot of attacking the rim. Three-point percentage, not amazing. Another concern at that spot for this team. Can't find much of his basketball history post-college, so that's what we're going off of outside of that time with the Enid Outlaws. But Kalen uh, Tippins-Hill is another exciting gunner prospect for the Rumble. That's three three gunners that they've got. We've not even spoken about any other position yet, but maybe you don't need to when you've got three guys who are all above 6'6". And long and ferocious at the at the basketball hoop so in terms of their defensive stopping ability we've got marcus bradley aka the breathing vegan which is such a I, I need to understand where that comes from the second part i get the vegan part i think is pretty self-explanatory but the breathing vegan um i think i believe it's it's he uses breathing techniques to get into the correct mindset for life so that's i think i've worked it out there He's 30 years old. He's from Highland, California. Another guy who's above 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6", six 240 six, pounds. And he's playing the stopper position. So their main guy underneath the basket. There's not a huge amount I can find for him outside of college, aside from the fact that he played in the Drew League a lot, which is sort of high-level off-season basketball, an entertainment league that I believe is primarily played uh, in and around uh, Northwest California, sort of Seattle uh, area, which I know is not is not California, but that's you know, northwest states, including playing against people like LeBron James, right? So it's, it's high-level NBA talent ends up joining this league uh, over, the, over the summer just to get some reps in. Uh, he was a bench player for his one year in college, so he didn't play very much. Uh, that was 2015 at Idaho State. 6.3 points per game, two rebounds, 46% from the field in 12 minutes over 25 games, right? So he's not playing a lot, and he's not doing too much for the team. He did, however, move to Utah Tech for the 2017 season, where he was 
increasing his minutes and then increasing like everything else about his play. So we talked about 6.3 points per game in 12 minutes. He's now getting 16 minutes and that jumps to 8.8 points per game. His two rebounds jump to uh, 4.3 and his field goal percentage goes from 46 to 51, right? So all of these are really good numbers in terms of if you're getting more of an opportunity, you're making more of that opportunity, you're doing more for the team, you're contributing more. It's slightly skewed because he wasn't coming off the bench the whole season. He ended up starting the second half of the of, of his time with Utah Tech. I don't know if that's just because he excelled or if there were injuries to his position. But either way, he played better with, with more floor time. And I think he's going to be the starting stopper for the Rumble. So you'd expect that he's going to get a lot of time on the floor. Uh, big concern, bad three-point shooting. 18% at his time at Utah. He took 11 shots, only made two. Could not find anything about his time in the Drew League or his time at Idaho State in terms of that statistic. But 18% in Utah, not great. Um, when it comes to the clips you can find of him on Instagram, yes, that's already where we're at, because I cannot find any clips of this guy playing basketball, sadly. But if you look at what he's got on Instagram, he doesn't seem totally comfortable in the environment. I, I don't know if that's being played for laughs, but it does seem like he's struggling a little bit to get comfortable with the trampolines. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about that from your stopper because timing is the biggest thing for a stopper, but also the ability to go straight up and down on a single trampoline and, and get straight up into the air as fast as you can. And I'm not convinced that Marcus Bradley as your starting stopper is going to be able to do that. Um, he goes straight at the hoop He's very low. He's not getting much height. And that could be a liability defensively for players that are able to get a run up and coming in a lot higher than him. And that's including if he's getting past the ball in the air. So that's he's not got to worry about dribbling. He's not got to worry about anything else, just catching the ball and dunking. Even then, he's coming in low. Now, we've seen in the past that that can be a good strategy offensively. But as a stopper, you want to be under the basket a lot of the time. And I just want to see... I'm not convinced in Marcus Bradley yet, but we will we will wait and see. Their other stopper is Victorious Dean, full name, goes by Victor. And I can understand, because when I tried to do research on you, Victor, I searched Victorious Dean, and it just came up with the TV show Victorious. So, thank you for shortening your name. Uh, Victor Dean, 30 years old, San Diego, California. Wouldn't you believe it? He's above 6'6". Six 6'7", foot six. Six foot 211 pounds, he's a stopper. He played wide receiver in college for Fresno State, as well as a season at Portland State. He is a big guy who's making a lot of catches in the air. So he's being expected to jump above his defender, catch the ball, take some contact and land with it. He was able to get 30 catches in nine appearances for Fresno State in 2012. That being said, he did miss the rest of the season because of a leg injury. That was actually his junior year, so his second year, sorry, sophomore year of college, which means that you, you then ask, how was his first year? How was his junior year? How was his, his uh, freshman year? Sorry, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. His freshman year was also uh, cut short because he had a broken foot. He missed three games with a broken foot, so not great. 
He then moved to Portland State for the 2013 season, uh, where his injuries were no longer a concern. The way they described it is he was a dangerous weapon, averaging 23 yards per catch, making 23 receptions, and running for 200, 521 yards. Right, So he's, he's able to do a lot on the football field when it comes to catching the ball and going. Uh, per game, those numbers are about 43.3 yards over the top of whole game. He used his height to block three different field goals during the season as well. So we're talking about length in terms of blocking ability and we're talking about length in terms of catching ability. Um, length, timing as well on those blocks. Great for the stopper position. Excited to see what he can do there. He moved uh, post-college. There's not much in his like pro football career. I can't see him being in the Indoor Football League. Um, but he did spend some time in the Canadian Football League training at minimum with the Saskatoon Roughriders. He was not asked to play wide receiver. They uh, they asked him to play what's called as like a cornerback, I believe. So he was playing a defensive back. Cornerback is sort of, you are marking wide receivers instead. So you've got to be much more physical defensively. And also you've got to be able to time uh, catches and getting in the way of the defender, of the offensive player, sorry. There's no stats on how he did that season, so I don't think he made the final roster. But there are some interesting quotes when he was interviewed about it. He said he's he's probably the best receiver in the league. He's not putting other people down. He just he believes that that's his position. But the coaching staff wants him to do this instead. Um, he doesn't see the vision, but he can see what's going on, and he's loving it. He played receiver, so he has really good hands, and his aim in taking up this role at cornerback was to try and get an interception, get his hands on the ball every single time he was playing, every single day. Part of adjusting is adapting to running backwards. Um, that's a big thing that he had to do to play this position. But he does talk about, he played high school basketball. They won a state championship in 2010. He played some defense there. It's very similar. You have to know where your guy is. You have to understand the assignment. You have to stay in front of him, keep your head on a swivel, turn your eyes and... Uh, Trust your eyes and trust your talent. So he seemed comfortable with that idea. The fact he didn't continue on in the CFL, to my understanding, if I'm wrong about that, apologies, uh, Kaelin. No, Kaelin, sorry. Apologies to Victor, um, if, I that, if I'm getting that wrong. But the fact that he, he understands at least how to do it and seems to understand the concepts of basketball marking, basketball defense... Good sign for uh, for his time here in Slambo. In terms of what we can see from his highlights, this is going to be a lot of high school and college, so we're talking 10 years ago minimum with this stuff, so you can take it with a pinch of salt if you want to, but he wouldn't be involved in this sport if he hadn't, you know, in, impressed in some physical way throughout the season. So he's able to shrug off defenders while running. He's adept at making catches in the air. He can also do that while being tackled mid-air. So he's able to take the contact, make the catch, and land. He's also unafraid of taking contact on the ground. That's just running straight at guys. That's something you can do in slam ball, so long as they're not standing still. If they're trying to keep up with you, just knock them out of the way, go into the trampoline. This is based on existing rules. Um, we may get a release of a new rule book coming soon. Hopefully... Um, sooner than the season starts but um, whenever that does there will be a little breakdown I'm sure we'll be able to put out there but he's unafraid of contact he moves horizontally really well that's sort of juking out the way of defenders so a little sidestep but that's also stopping faking one way going the other 
and getting around players with a faster quick step than they can move sideways. So we like that in terms of movement speeds. We like that in terms of timing to get past defensive players. There were some high school basketball highlights as well. He attacks the rim a lot. He bothers defenders in terms of fast hands on man-to-man defense, getting in their way defensively in terms of passing lanes. He's got a nice up-and-under layup. And he's always making the correct pass, so he knows if I'm scoring, I'm going to go for it. But if there's someone in a better position, if we're a transition offense, I should make a pass. I should get the ball to someone else. That is Victor Washington. Sorry, not true. That is Victor Dean. We're about to talk about Richard Washington. Richard Washington, 26 years old. He's from Newport News, Virginia. He stands at 6 foot 6. This is the fifth player on this team. Sorry, no, this is not even the fifth. This is the sixth out of seven players on this team who stands six foot six or taller. This is the tallest team in the league. They might be skinny boys, but they have length, they have height, and some of them have aggression. My God. So I'm scared. He played high, he was a high level high school prospect when it came to basketball. He was a top 30 small forward in 2016's draft class. We talked about that earlier. Small forwards, sort of a mid-sized player on the court. Um, Expects to be fast, but also expected to be kind of physical. He was top 30 in the whole of the United States when he was going into college at Wake Forest, which is a prestigious, prestigious school. Sadly, his time at Wake Forest uh, ended after injuries. He was not able to stay on the floor. But he did move after that... Uh, onto San Jose State. Prior to going to San Jose State, he did spend some time at at the junior college level. He was averaging 16.6 points per game in 29 games, shooting 50%, around 50%, sort of 46% from the field and 36% from beyond three. You see when you look at his highlights from high school, he's very comfortable taking three-point shots. That's a really good sign. Um... Not only is he comfortable, but he shoots them to a degree that defenders consider him an issue. They're jumping out, they're allowing him to fake and then drive to the basket because they're so afraid of his ability to shoot from distance. Okay, He was also able to get 8.1 rebounds per game and 3.1 assists per game, which is a really high percentage um, in terms of, not percentage, but a really high number of assists per game for that position, looking at the rest of the league. Exciting in terms of his ability to distribute the ball. Uh, Something that I never really talk about is uh, single game stats because I don't want to put too much stock in one performance. But just to put his three-point shooting into perspective, he set a school record at his junior college of 10 threes in a single game uh, in 2018. So that's a good sign in terms of volume shooting from distance. Really, really good. As I say, he then ended up at San Jose State uh, University where he spent two years there. Um, In his junior season, he started uh, 7 of the 31 games. He was getting 10.3 points per game, 4.3 rebounds. Okay, so he was doing a little bit of scoring. He was doing a little bit of rebounding. Really, really good. And some of that was coming from the three-point line. We don't have stats in terms of percentages, but we do know, again, he was shooting from distance in games. He was scoring. He was getting some high games. He was getting some lower games. He was primarily coming off the bench, okay? He came off the bench for 24 of the 31 games. So he's not expected to be doing a huge amount. And in the minutes, he was getting 10.3 points per game. Pretty good. 4.3 rebounds at his position. Pretty good, okay? 
Then in his senior season, that jumped hugely. So the 10.3 points per game became 19.5 points per game, which was the highest the school had seen since 2013. And at one point, he was ranked top 10 in the whole country in terms of points per game. But he did miss some of the season with a head injury. Um, this may sound weird, but I'm less concerned about injuries to the head when it comes to going into slam ball, mainly because if you look at the leg injuries that his teammates suffered, that might be bad in terms of confidence going into some trampolines. I don't know if, if if you're worried about that, if you've got leg injuries. A head injury is more like concussion protocol. You get hit, you've got to take some time out just to make sure you're okay, okay? But in terms of the games he played in, he was getting double-digit points in almost every game of the season, including multiple 30-point games. So that's really, really good, really good sign. His shooting uh, dipped a little bit in terms of three, but he was still shooting 34%, which is a, is a good percentage, okay? 34% from distance, 40% overall from the field. Decent three-point shooter, probably the best three-point shooter on the team. Again, he's a dangerous guy from distance. Guys are going to have to mark him. He's going to be the guy that spreads the floor. The thing is, I think he's coming off the bench, although there is the potential that he's going to be your starting handler if you don't want to go the super unconventional route and start with three gunners. Um, he's the same size as them, so it wouldn't surprise me either way. Okay. In terms of the highlights that he's putting on his Instagram... Um, there's a lot of basketball highlights, not many slam ball highlights. But from what we can see from his time playing basketball in a in a non non competitive format, he's doing a lot of quick moves, both on the ball and off, getting into space, receiving passes, and spins of every kind. So that's around defenders on the perimeter, that's underneath the basket, anything he can do with a lot of speed to just get past defenders. And again, he still seems comfortable shooting from distance. Okay. So that is your potential starting handler, potential fifth man, Richard Washington. We move to their last pick of the draft, which is Jaytuan Williams. He is 26. He'll be 27 in a couple days, though. Happy birthday, Jaytuan. He's from Warren, Ohio. This is the smallest guy on the team. He's still six foot two. If you know me in real life, that's basically my height. He's their smallest player. Have fun with that. He's 177 pounds. And he's playing the handler position. I find it interesting that the Rumble went three gunners, two stoppers, two handlers in terms of draft order, which is why I'm not super confident that they're going to be starting with a traditional handler. But both of their handler picks are good pickups and really good additions, right? I can't find anything about Jay Twan's basketball playing career. I can tell you that he was a high school long jumper. And I can tell you that after high school, he ended up in the Premier Basketball League, which is where some other members of the Slam Ball League have played. But the sample size in terms of stats is super small. So he was, the, the league doesn't seem to do many games a year. He won the 2022 MVP and that was in only seven games, right? But he was in the league's first team. So he was one of the highest performing players in 2020, 2021 and 2022. And of course, he won the All-Star, as I said, in that year, 2022. He also got All-Star twice and he was invited to tryouts in uh, the Mexican League LBE, right? And during that tryout tournament, he, he won a championship, okay? So... 2022 is MVP season, which is the only thing I can give you. I can give you stats for that year and I can give you stats for 2023, the most recent year, okay, where he didn't get any awards. In 2022, he was getting 29.9 points per game, 63% shooting overall and 35% from distance, okay? 
Already really, really good numbers. The second best on this team from like a statistical point of view in terms of scoring. But let's add on 15.1 rebounds per game, which is a bananas number to average over the course of a season, even if it is only seven games. Seven assists per game, incredibly high number. Uh, unfortunately, there are three turnovers. That still means he's making more plays and distributing the ball better than he is giving it back on the offensive end. But still, three turnovers per game, not a stellar number, okay? Seven games is not a great sample size, but it's what we've got to work with. He bullies defenders out of the way offensively. He's comfortable finishing through contact. He gets into the passing lanes and he's quick off the ball, which means that defensively he's going to be a nightmare for other teams, especially um, as like the seventh guy, right? If you're throwing a seventh guy out there who's just going to be super physical and super determined to get in the way of the ball, that's going to just torch some offenses in this league. He's able to manoeuvre in the air, so I didn't see a lot of dunks from him, but he's got nice hang time, so when he jumps, he stays up. I can manoeuvre around defending players and get the ball into the basket with a little bit of touch and a little bit of finesse. That's using his right and his left hand, and he can seemingly shoot threes off the dribble. The threes for this guy, um, I want him to shoot a lot of threes because... You want the spacing, especially coming off the bench. You want that alternative offensive option if your your starting guys are all going straight to the hoop. But it's mostly the finishing in the air that I really like. Especially from a smaller guy, if he can stay up there longer than stoppers, so they go down first and he is able to make a dunk, um, that's exciting to me. And that's still worth three points, so that's a lot, a lot to contend with. His 2023 season, 17 points per game, so still good. 55% from the field, still amazing. Uh, and two from... Five from three. So he didn't take that many threes. His shooting percentage is technically 40%, but it's such a small sample size. The rebounds dropped dramatically, but it's still 7.7, .7, which is huge for his position. 3.3 assists. Again, it's half of what he was doing, but still really impressive. Two steals is nice. Two blocks per game is nice, but this was only in three games. So the sample size gets even smaller. So we're looking at 10 games total to look at this guy's like scoring ability and output, but in those 10 games, you like what you see, and the Premier Basketball League isn't, like, garbage. It's it's a decent league. Coaching for the Rumble is brought to you by Ken Carter. We talked about him earlier, but what we didn't talk about is quite how successful he has been in slam ball. So, he coached in 20... Sorry, what the hell am I talking about? He coached in 2002, 2003, and 2008, right? In 2002, the first full season of slam ball... He won the championship, right? The first ever championship with his key player being all-star stopper and MVP Dion Mays, right? Big guy, um, aggressive guy, good stopper. Maybe that's something that Coach Carter can coach out of his team, okay? In 2003, they lost in the semis, which is the first round of the playoffs, which is not great. But if you look at their regular season stats, they went 9-1, and one, which is a really good number, right? I like that number. Um, you like to see your team able to win a lot of games, um, even if they don't win when it counts, you know, playoffs, it's still an indicator that they're a strong team to contend with, okay? You'd rather they win a lot than lose a lot. In 2008, uh, they lost in the finals, so they got to the finals twice, winning one, losing the other in the three seasons that Carter was the head coach. That basically makes him the, the second most successful coach in the league after Brendan Kirsch, who is in charge of the mob, okay? That being said, Kirsch won two titles in um, 
China, which were seasons that only had four teams. And his third title came in the 2009 Powerade Challenge, which was, again, only four teams. So Kirsch is winning them in truncated, shorter seasons. And the only other coach who is returning, who has a championship this year, is Coach Carter. Um, so I, I like his chances to coach a team throughout a full full season with eight teams. His assistants is take his assistants. His assistant coach is Take Flight Whitney White, who is a stellar slam ball player in his own right. Um, he was a gunner for the Rumble in 2002 and I believe played up until 2016. Uh, really good player. Is going to be a wonderful coach in terms of what to do around the basket for, for the Rumble players, but also how to carry yourself as, as a slam ball player on the court in terms of when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive. Okay. Potential starting four for the Rumble. Uh, their starting stopper, I'm going with Marcus Bradley, but truth be told, I'm not confident about either of them. Uh, in terms of handler... I'm going Kalen Tippins-Hill. He is a registered gunner, but his high school quarterback experience is just is pushing him there where I'm like, I think you want to play three gunners with this team. I think you play Kalen Tippins-Hill. I think you play Tamarick Fields. I think you play Bakari Copeland as like three gunners with Tippins-Hill taking the handler spot, right? I think your fifth man is Richard Washington as a as as like a pure handler. But I also think it's it's certainly possible that he starts and Tippins Hill comes off the bench. Either way, I think you're playing gunners heavy with this team because you're just scoring, scoring, scoring. The Rumble weren't They were a score first team in the early seasons of Slam Ball, and I expect that to be the case again. When we talk about their weaknesses, uh three point shooting. Tamarick Fields may improve over the season. Uh, we shall see. You had a couple other players who had decent numbers. I'm thinking primarily of Richard Washington. Again, a guy who can spread the floor in terms of shooting. Um, is that going to be enough? Two of your five, two of your seven. Two guys on the court at one time, maybe. Do you want to be playing both these guys at the same time? Maybe you do. Um, again, that's if Washington's a starting handler. But that's a big thing for me. Um, the first three picks are all streaky. The three gunners that you've picked, again, Tamarick Fields may improve over the season. We'll have to wait and see. But his numbers in shorter seasons, again, 12 games is the length of slam ball traditionally. Doesn't leave, it leaves a lot to be desired. It leaves a lot of concerns out there, okay? And then their other weakness is, is just the stopper position. I'm not totally convinced that either guy looks comfortable. Marcus Bradley definitely doesn't look comfortable on the trampolines. That's a big concern. And Victor Dean's injury history kind of worries me. I know that's it, it might not matter now. At this point, it was 10 years ago. But if you're doing damage to your legs, um, if you've got that as a, as a perennial issue, then you're not necessarily comfortable doing a lot of jumping. And you're not necessarily comfortable jumping into a trampoline where you can land awkwardly. We'll have to wait and see with that. Um, but I, I could be totally wrong. I could be absolutely wrong with that second part, and maybe Victor Dean's amazing. Marcus Bradley, you've got a lot to do to impress me. But you were drafted above Victor Dean, so there must be something I'm missing. I think you'll start. Both might end up being very capable in terms of their length, their big guys, and their timing. That's such a huge, huge thing. And the Gunners also seem really capable in terms of their defensive prowess as well. I think I said for all three of the guys that they've got in the Gunner position that... Timing was a really big strong point of theirs. And if you look at their ability to block shots, it's it's second to none almost. So 
if you need to rotate gunners in uh, and sort of swap who's playing gunner, who's playing stopper, after all, everyone on this team's the same size. It's the Toronto Raptors of Slam Ball, which hopefully someone gets that reference. Um, then that won't be a big deal. In terms of their strengths, I've got two definite strengths and one not so sure. The biggest one, this is the tallest team in the league on average, right? The height of their starting four is probably going to be six foot six, six foot six and a half. That's going to be your average. Your shortest player is six foot two, right? And as we've talked about with height, as I headbutt the, headbutt, headbutt the microphone, with height comes length. And their starting four is going to be long as hell. And that's going to make offensive sets long as hell for the other teams. Because if you're trying to get around four guys that have got insane wingspans, it's going to be so impossible to get the ball around them. Uh, they're going to be in your passing lanes. They're going to be making life difficult. They're going to be stopping you from getting to the trampolines. There's going to be a lot of guys causing you problems from out there. And uh, if you've got big guys going in at the stopper position that have just got height, just tap it away. Um, scary, scary for the other teams in terms of that, okay? Difficult to deal with in the air offensively as well. You, you know, like... They are going to be going up, they're going to be catching passes, and they're going to be finishing over guys because they've got length. Or a lot of these guys have got finesse and touch in the air, and like I said, they're just going to lay it in. So even if they don't get three points, they get two. And if you're just scoring regularly, just keep the clock ticking, get some stops on the other end maybe. It's lights out for the other team. I've put offensive firepower as well. I think everyone can catch the ball while they're in the air everyone can finish at the rim. That's regardless of position on this team. And that is maybe a good sign. So long as there's distribution. And distribution is my maybe. Again, we've got some guys who've got really high assist numbers. Kalen Tippins is a former high school quarterback. Are these good things? There's the potential for really good distribution, but I'm not totally convinced by it. But if it is there, if the distribution for the Rumble is high, if they're passing and their assist numbers are good, then I think the offense is going to click, 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 especially in the air. Really excited for the Rumble. I think they're going to be high up on my power rankings, but that three-point shooting is definitely going to bring them down. I think outside of uh, Washington, I'm not convinced, convinced by anyone's percentages. And so that concerns me a little bit. Uh, I think Bakari Copeland could be nice at that, but we'll have to wait and see how, how it holds up over the course of a season. But overall, very high on the Rumble. And overall, very high on Slam Ball. Very excited for the new season. Looking forward to talking about it with everyone here. We've got two more team previews. One is coming out this Friday, and we'll have one on Monday. We'll also have an entire season preview, and we've got some more player interviews and coaching interviews and betting odds and lots of stuff coming, right? Just make sure you stay tuned to Bounce Off a Slam Ball podcast either on YouTube or on your favourite podcasting apps. I've been Sam Roberts. Have a lovely day. We will see you again on Friday.